We are at that time of year when we have our stewardship campaign, and I know that that's a scary word. So we're not going to have that word this year. <laughs> and we're not trying to fool you by saying we're not having that word this year. We are, we are truly focusing on the attitude of our hearts. As Annie said, you know, when you, when you come in with an attitude of gratitude, that's, that's worship. That's worship. That's one of the ways we step forward. And we are here today to worship God. Amen? We come in here whether we've got the good, the bad, the ugly, or the in-between going on in our life, and God loves us no matter where we come from. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we are facing, God loves us. I'm so grateful for that. Um, I can't tell you how many people I know who when they face challenging situations who are faith people who are Christian people who look to God for their blessings and thank him for their blessings, look in the face of adversity and say, you know what, I know this is a big storm, but my God is bigger than you, and I am grateful, and I know that no matter what happens, he is on my side, and I am so, so thankful. You know, growing up um, in 4-H, I was always on different um, committees and different things, and one of the things they taught us to do was write thank you notes, whose parents have taught them to write a thank you note before. Yeah, it's a lost art, but it's something we need to do. And I'm reminded every Sunday as we gather for worship that when we come in here, when we offer our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness, whatever it is, we are saying thank you. That's our thank you note to God. He has done so, so many wonderful things for us. Gratitude to God is the very basis of which we come and we place ourselves at his feet. Because we want to say thank you. We can never repay him for all he's done. But he changes our heart. And it changes our life. And it changes how we go out and meet people where they are. One of my favorite songs that our praise band sings is Sons and Daughters. And I love that, uh, the words of that, that before he spoke the creation, before he spoke creation, the God of heaven knew our name and formed in his reflection. We are his glory on display. We are the sons, we are the daughters of God, no matter where we go. No matter where we go. And I would add to that, no matter where we came from, we're close to the Father's heart. And though we stumble, he will not let us fall because we are the Lord's and he will never forsake his own. There is good news in that we are the beloved children of a loving, compassionate, graceful, grace-filled God. And there is so much that we can be thankful for. Um, we are using this book, The Gratitude Path, over the next few weeks for our sermons. And um, there will be copies of these available if you would like to have one. And I encourage you to pick one up. I knew I liked this guy when um, he went in to help a church during this time of year. And he sat down. His name is Kent Millard. And he went in and he sat down and he said, he said to the finance committee, we're not going to talk about money. And they all kind of looked at him and said, this is the finance committee. And he says, well... We're not going to talk about money. What I want you to do right now is pull out a piece of paper and start counting your blessings. He said, we'll stop when you're done. 
immediately he could tell whose hearts were filled with a gratitude for God because they were the ones they said, we're going to be here all night long and into next week. If I gave you a piece of paper now and I said, count your blessings, when do you think you would stop? We are so blessed in this country. We are so blessed in this town. We, um, we have people who reach out with a heart of gratitude for all the blessings in their life, for all that God has done for them as they seek to serve those who are on the streets. Throughout the world, there are 150 million people who are homeless, truly homeless. 20% in addition to that have inadequate housing. Our brothers and sisters who are along the coast, both south of us and east of us, um, know what it's like to wake up and not have the roof over their heads. When we wake up and just have a roof over our heads, we automatically have reason to give thanks. Around the world, the average number um, living in, in population-dense cities the average number per home is 12. Can you imagine 12? And, and their homes are small. Their homes are about a 10 by 20, if that. 12 people. My mom had a saying that, um, that family are like fish. They stink after three days, too. I can't imagine what, what that would feel like on an ongoing basis when you need... We're used to our space. We're used to having our... our space to spread our wings and, and go. Over 800 million people in the world are starving. 800 million. Just this week, I looked at my pantry two or three times and said, I don't have a thing to eat. There were probably about 10 different meals I could have made, but, you know, I, in that moment, had lost sight of my gratitude. Then I read this book, <laughs> and as I picked it up, I was reminded just how blessed we are. One of the things that, um, that we do when we come into worship is we sing, and there's a song that's, that comes from, from prior years um, called Give Thanks. It's written by Don Moen, and it's Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart, Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. And it goes on, and it's, it's, it's one of those songs that when I find myself singing it, the day turns around. Just that moment, that momentary singing of those lines. When we go to the doctor's office, one of the first things the doctor does is he takes his, his or her stethoscope and checks our heart, listens to our heart to see what all's going on with it. A lot can be told about the entire body just by listening to the heart. How often do we stop and listen to our hearts? It can tell us a lot. Whether we have an attitude of gratitude or whether we have a hardened heart that's lost compassion, that's become jaded, we talked about that this week. Um, we, a few different churches had uh, representatives over at the Presbyterian Church, and we met with some folks from the city, and we talked about 
warming shelters, and it was such an amazing experience to walk in and hear one person being homeless is too many. One is too many. And begin to hear conversations about, we need to be reaching out. We need to be lifting up. We need to be encouraging. We need to be doing these things. So how do we do it? We are a city that's blessed. We are churches that's blessed. How do we do this? It wasn't one of, these are the obstacles. These are things we can't do. We're not going to find a building. We're not going to find funding. We're not going to find people. It was, how do we do it? Let's make it happen. It was an attitude of action. Um, Kent Millard lived at a rich time, and part of his history was a very rich part of the civil rights movement, and he was part of the voting rights march in Selma, Alabama, and if if the youth haven't had that in school yet, you will. It's a fascinating time in our history, and Kent was there, and he was standing up for voting rights, and they marched across the bridge, the Pettus Bridge, they, they went right down to the courthouse and they signed, went to take um, different persons to register to vote. And these were of the African-American population there in the town. And they wanted to make sure they had the right to vote. So all, all the, these different people had come together to stand with them, to go down. And the person was denied. And instead of becoming angry, instead of succumbing to the shouts by the the opposition, one of the pastors stood up and he said, we're going to pray. And he asked them to all bow their heads and he said, Lord, right here in this moment, turn their hearts of stone to hearts of love. And they went on from that day. The rest is history. Voting rights were instilled. We still have um, steps that need to be taken and obstacles that need to be removed. But as he was speaking and telling about this day to a group of pastors in Alabama, 40 years later, this was just three years ago, 40 years later, he was telling about this. And a man came up to him afterwards and he said, I was there that day, only I was one of the one hurling insults. I was one of the ones putting obstacles in the way, making sure that those persons didn't get to sign up. He said, pretty soon after that, I started listening to my wife and to my heart. And I realized that my heart was so filled with hatred that I could no longer stand myself. And so when my wife invited me to revival, I went to revival. And I left that night changed. I went down to the altar. I knelt before God. I confessed my sins. Christ came into my heart. I became a pastor. And since then, I have fought and fought and fought for voting rights. And I'm not going to stop. Kent looked at him and he said, did you hear the prayer that day? And he says, I'll never forget it. He said, God turned my heart from a heart of stone to a heart of love. He said, now I'm just spending my life saying thank you. It's a powerful thing to say thank you. We, um, we sometimes forget to give people the opportunity to say that on their own. And um, a friend of mine encountered this when he was beginning to work with a group of, uh, of youth. And he, um, they were 
doing a fundraiser, and I've shared this story before, but it, it applies here so well. They, they, he said, let's put $5 per car down. Now, that's cheap for a car wash, $5 per car. And, and the people who were there who were more experienced in the church, they said, no, 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 just put a donation jar out. And he said, guys, come on. We don't want to be out there sweating all day, washing cars, getting dirty, getting the dirt off their cars on us for less than that. And he says, no, 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 I promise you, just put a donation jar out. People will be grateful. They'll give. You'll see. And so my friend trusted them. At the end of the day, they had triple what they would have had just by allowing people to give out of their heart. He learned a lesson that day that people in general are giving and compassionate. They want to say thank you. They want to go that extra mile. I was at the airport not long ago, and... um, I was standing with my sister as she was checking in to go somewhere, and um, there was a gentleman in front of us in line, and all these servicemen were coming through, and there were two servicemen um, who were just in front of us, and um, the gentleman in front, everybody was thanking them for their service and and shaking their hands, and um, the gentleman in front of us went up to the counter, and then then she ended up at her, her spot there right next to him, and we happened over here, and he says, I want to do more than say thank you. How much does it cost to bump their flight up to first class? And he did just that. In fact, he bumped the flights for three or four servicemen up to first class. And those people never knew who did that. Never knew. But just that moment of gratitude, and he walked away quietly having done it, I think he and the ticket agent and my sister and I were the only ones that knew he had done it. And he gave something to them that day that showed them gratitude beyond gratitude. State of our hearts can have a greater impact than we ever know. Studies have shown that employers who are generous, tend to have employees who give more of their time and of their effort. Studies have shown that compassion is met with compassion and giving is met with giving. There's a, a story of, of Booker T. Washington, and he, um, he was paving the way for rights with Tuskegee um, University in Alabama, and they were, he was raising funds for them to try to get education and um, to get education funds in place so that African-Americans could be educated. And he was going around the country lecturing, and at one of the hotels he was at, he was standing in the lobby, and a lady came in, and she's a very wealthy woman, and she walked up to him. She said, excuse me, could you take my luggage up to my room? And he very politely said, yes, ma'am. He said, what room are you in? And so he goes up with her, carries her luggage up, drops it off, and she's, thank you so much, and... The next day she's going around and she sees the lecture being given and she walks in and she realized that Booker T. Washington had been her porter for her luggage. She was a little embarrassed, but she also looked and said, young man, you had a heart full of compassion for me. You didn't correct me. You were kind. You were courteous. You were compassionate. You were grace-filled. I want to help you. I want to help you continue your work because you're not just speaking this, you're living this. And so a very large donation was made that day. 
What we count, what we do, the way we live, it increases. If we are people who walk around naming our problems, they tend to increase. If we are a person who names our blessings, they tend to increase. And I think part of that is the way we see the world. You know, yesterday I was um, out running some errands and I happened to stop to get my glasses adjusted. I had a screw loose and it was with my glasses, I promise. Um, but I had, a, I had a screw loose and so I stopped and I said, you know, I need these uh, to be tightened up. I need to get my lenses adjusted. And as soon as I put them on, I was like, wow, I can see so much better. But I had to stop and take a minute. I knew it was loose. It had been loose for probably a month. And I had been running around that way. And I just didn't stop and take the time to say, you know what, I need to fix this. I need to fix the way I'm seeing the world. It doesn't take much. We can find story after story. We can go to the Psalms. We can hear, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures how long? Forever. Forever. In Luke 19, we know the story of Zacchaeus. But what we, uh, it kind of dawned on me the last time I read it. I, I don't see in there where, where Christ came up and he says, I want you to pay these people back. I want you to give them more than what you took from them. Now, I'm not just coming to your house today. I'm not just going to change your life. But I want you to, I want you to do this. Uh-uh. Zacchaeus, in response to Christ simply acknowledging him, a tax collector who would have been pushed to the margins, ignored because of the way he lived his life, banished from his own people because he had betrayed them in, in seeking Rome's interest rather than his own people's. He heard Christ as he came through town say, I'm coming to your house today. I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want time with you. I'm going to sit down and have a meal with you. Dining with someone, that's not something we take lightly. And he was changed. And he turned around and he said, you know what? God, is, God has blessed me. And I'm going, to, I'm going to get back. I'm going to make this right. And it changed his life. In Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19, we hear these words of a story of lepers who have encountered Christ. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as Jesus entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, say, and falling at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, praised God. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleaned? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith 
has made you well. Leprosy was a disease that caused disfigurement, banishment, being outcast. It, it, it meant no longer having a job, no longer being able to live in your home. People were so afraid that it would be transferred to someone else that they came into contact with that they had to stand at a distance just to say something to Jesus. And the miracle that day of healing took place, yes, but there was also a miracle that day. He saw them. He saw them. Have you ever been sick or down or something like that and felt invisible? And then had somebody see you? This Samaritan, not one who would typically know of Jesus, not one who would typically have been part of the chosen people of Israel, one who was a foreigner, one who was on the edges, came forward, fell at Jesus' feet, and gave thanks. Can you imagine that? If you are part of a group of people who have gone from being banished, from being cast out to being one made whole just with a word, just a word, you'd be stunned. Stunned to be healed. Stunned to be seen. Stunned to be in the presence of one who could do that, of God's own son. He was grateful. He was so grateful. How do we live? Do we have an attitude of gratitude? I remember that day, Annie. I remember that, Brian, I remember it too. Being, being with y'all that day, it was a moment of such gratitude pouring from both of you in the face of great adversity. You came, they came so close to losing life and one another. And yet they said, thank you, God. Thank you for the dog that needed to be walked, that led to breathlessness. Right, Brian? Thank you for the doctor who's found this. Thank you for this hospital. Thank you for the people who love us. Thank you for Denise and Nick and all the others who came and came forward. And you still have that gratitude. You still live that gratitude. I made the comment last week that sometimes God will break your heart. Well, he tried literally with you, Brian. I don't know. But if you, if you don't know what you have to be thankful for, look around. Look around. I could quote you st statistics on education, on homelessness, on poverty, on um, needs around the world. But if you just start in your own home, you're going to start seeing one blessing after another, after another, after another, after another. Scripture tells us that all the things that we are blessed with are gifts from God. So as we face 
the gifts from God, as we face the grace of God that heals us and makes us whole, that includes us, that claims us and makes us part of a community of faith and a family of faith. Who are we going to be like? Are we going to be like the nine? Or are we going to be like the one who falls at his feet, praising God and giving thanks? It's kind of like the thank you note. Stop and say thank you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for all that you have done for us. For all the ways that you have blessed us, for all the ways that you have shown us your grace. Fill our hearts with gratitude and love. Let it be so overflowing that as we encounter people just in the line at the grocery store or wherever we are at the restaurant with the waitress, where, wherever it is that you would open our hearts to just have that gratitude pour out, to meet the person who's not having such a great day and to say, you know what, God has graced me by our, our crossing paths today and I want to say thank you and I want to offer a prayer for you. I want to say thank you to God. I want to thank God for going before you ahead of your adversity. Because you can know that He is always with you. He's a loving, compassionate Father, and we are not just servants in His house, but we are children of God. We are not just simply healed, but we are whole. In your name we pray. Amen.